Monday, May 18th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Million Dollar Portfolio, Jason Moser. Happy Monday. Happy to be here. Taylor Muckerman, we're giving him the day off because you know what? It's his birthday today. Is it really? I didn't know that. Yes, it is Taylor's birthday. So, so that's funny. I saw him walking through um, the office earlier, and I know we have sort of this. I mean, I don't know how strongly they enforce it, but um, you're supposed to not come into work on your birthday. You're supposed to take the day right. off. You're, now, you're, I, have, I have violated that rule many times. My birthday is the day after Christmas, actually, interestingly enough. But with Taylor, I saw him in the office just earlier. So I'm wondering, was he just moseying through to get something, or was he I got sticking the, around? I think he's sticking around. So, yeah. Yeah. But but like you, I usually violate that rule. But uh, but this year, I just decided, no, 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 I'm actually going to... Because I think the company just encourages... Yeah. It's, it's not a we're going to wag our finger at you if you're here, but it's it's like hey, take your, it's your birthday. Take the day off. Yeah, sometimes I do. Sometimes I don't. I guess it just depends on what's going on. The nice thing at that at that time of year, this place is just dead empty. So you can come in and get a lot of work done at that at that point. So at your birthday time, yeah, of year. yeah, yeah, it's like the end of the year. Yeah, and everybody's the, <laughs> kind of off doing other stuff. Yeah, the week, <laughs> the week between Christmas and New Year's is just oh, this place is a ghost town. Yeah. Well, happy birthday, Taylor. Uh, we're going to talk retail today and uh, in various forms, but let's start with the merger of the day, which is in fashion retail. Uh, Ann Taylor, or I should say Ann Incorporated, which is the parent company of Ann Taylor and Loft, is being acquired by Asina Retail Group. It's a $2.1 billion deal, cash and stock. Asina is the parent company of Lane Bryant, Dress Barn, Justice, a couple others. Good day for Ann Taylor shareholders. That stock's up 20% on the buyout. (laughs) Asina, it was up early on, and I'm wondering if that was just sort of general enthusiasm because now the stock has come down to the point where it's it's sort of flat. Yeah, I mean, it's it. You know, it, whenever any news like this breaks, I mean, there's an initial reaction, and you see it. You know, pre-market uh, trading a lot where there'd just be sort of that that sort of quick knee-jerk reaction to something, and then you kind of have a chance to make sense of it. Um, it reminds me actually of the not not too long ago when Zillow jumped out in front of the bus with sort of a pre-announcement a few weeks back for this quarter, and they came out to say you know that the you know sales and earnings were going to be lower than usual or lower than they had anticipated because of the because of the merger. And I mean the market just went crazy. The stock was down like fifteen percent, and then uh, you know throughout the day it actually came back to finish up around flat. So uh, maybe maybe that's sort of the same thing going on here. I mean I wouldn't call Asina the best managed company on the face of the earth. But I mean, in in a very difficult retail environment, I mean they're doing what they need to do in bringing more concepts under that under that umbrella, so to speak, and, and having you know more ways to make money. And so this acquisition will bring them to around five thousand stores from around thirty nine hundred today. Uh, they're all leased on both sides, so there's no no real estate angle here. Uh, I mean, will consolidation make the difference here in the long run? I mean, it's possible. When you look at Asina, gross margin since 2010 has fallen about 100 basis points. But if you look at net margin, actually, it's fallen about 330 basis points. So, you know, I mean, are they going to be able to to leverage the scale and cost structure in the long run as they combine these entities? I mean, that's that's really the question there. And they're not the most compelling names, I guess, out there as far as retail goes. But I mean, it, you know, Justice is a good example of one where. I never would have imagined I would have even stepped foot in one of those stores, but now, I mean, it's just at the tip of my girls' tongues. Whenever we're at the mall, I mean, it's one of the first places they want to go, and and so I, you know, I think they're playing at least into um, 
sort of that that mall traffic dynamic, and because we've seen mall traffic over the years start really coming down, you know, the first question I ask is, what kind of an e-commerce presence do these guys have? And it's it's not bad. I mean, if you look at uh, Asina's e-commerce sales, I mean, they were about 9.3% of overall sales in 2014 versus about 8% in 2013. So they're growing that, uh, you know, it's little, going in the right direction. Yeah. And I mean, you know, so it, this this is something I think it works out very well for AN shareholders. They'll, they'll get uh, some cash for this and, and, you know, a fraction of, uh, of a Cena share for each for each and share, and it'll definitely put a, a decent slug of debt on a Cena's balance sheet. So I mean, that would be sort of something to keep in mind there. Well, and you look at the statement, the joint statement, and the word synergy appears a bunch of times. I and hate that word. <laughs> I, well, I, you know who hates that word? People who work at Ann Taylor, because <laughs> you know it's it's clear that. What Asina was trying to communicate to Wall Street was, hey, look, we're going to get smaller. We're, we're going to fire a bunch of people. Or, yeah. You know, They're going to have to trim a lot of fat, I would imagine. Yeah. I mean, that's. And, and some of it makes sense from an operational standpoint. And if you, you know, whether it's shipping or, or things of that nature. But it's also clear that, hey, look, we're bringing in a thousand new stores. We're going to figure out ways to get smaller. As a company, as a, as an overall corporate structure, yeah, and I mean that's again, I think that's that's the right move. I think that's a smart thing to do. Now it just it just boils down to executing, and, and that's where I think you know the jury's the jury's going to be out on that for a while. I mean, judging from the numbers that we've seen from Asina over the past five years, like I said, I mean it's not exactly the best run company in the world, but it, you know it's not like it's an Aeropostale or something. You know, I mean they they do have. Relevant brands that are that are creating some traffic and they're growing sales at albeit at a very slow rate and maybe maybe this is something that will help develop a you know to help them leverage their scale a little bit better to become a little bit more profitable in the long run. Radio at full dot com is our email address. Got an email from Jesse Eisenhart, listener number four hundred twenty eight, uh, and Jesse had passed along the story that Walmart is getting ready to. Challenge Amazon this summer with unlimited shipping, a service that offers unlimited shipping for $50 a year. And Jesse raises the question why wouldn't they provide this service through Sam's Club? Before we get to the larger battle with Amazon, why wouldn't that? That seems like a no brainer to me. Seems like it would be. I mean, I, I, I know get that, why Costco doesn't yeah. do it because Costco doesn't really, they're not looking to. Be an e-commerce player in the way that Walmart is attempting to get into e-commerce, but this this really does seem like they could factor that into Sam's Club quite nicely. They could. I mean, I think that you buying in bulk versus just traditional retail. It, it seems to me, at least for the most part, that buying in bulk is typically more of a sort of physical presence um, concept, and that's why Costco primarily is is the physical locations. I mean, they do have an e-commerce. Uh, division and, and it does bring in you know some sales, but it's primarily the physical. And and I think that maybe with Walmart, I mean they're looking at tapping probably the bigger opportunity first and trying to learn maybe how this might work. Um, and, and then I mean you know with with buying in bulk, I mean there are other concepts out there that are trying to work this model. It's, I think we had talked last week about one called Boxed. That is, uh, you know, they they are kind of like a, an online Costco. I mean, it's it's only online, and they had the, you know, free shipping and all 
different ways to save. And, and my wife tried it out one one time, and it worked out very well. So that'll be interesting to see how that develops. I mean, this though with with Walmart, I mean, this is a response to what Amazon has been so successful with to date. And, and honestly, I mean, it seems like they're a little late to the game in in doing this. But I mean, you have sort of the difference here on. You know what these companies were founded upon, right? So I mean, Walmart. I guarantee you, Sam Walton didn't didn't build Walmart with the internet in mind. I mean, that's blatantly <laughs> obvious, right? I mean, right. Uh, one needn't do the math to actually make that statement. But y- you look at Amazon and Bezos founded Amazon precisely on that notion, and so that has dictated how each company has grown over time. And you know, we we talk about. McDonald's, for example, in the fast food industry, and how over such a long period of time they were they were grooming that brand based on sort of a value proposition. And Walmart, for the longest period of time, has groomed that brand on really being the low cost provider in in a different world. You know, years ago, where the internet didn't really matter. Um, today, I mean, this is this is obviously a much different ball game, and it's still early innings as far as e commerce goes. But I mean, there's no question that that Amazon and the investments that Jeff Bezos has made. Uh, you know, over the course of, of you know the past decade and, and beyond, are all just about this huge land grab and, and getting as much of that e-commerce space as you possibly can, and then investing more and more in the business to be able to support that e-commerce uh, infrastructure because that is really where, for the most part, that opportunity lies. So I mean, you know, Prime is ten years old now, and I mean. It, they have done such a good job in in building that service over time and offering more value uh, to to members of the service. Amazon has got so much mind share at this point. I just don't know what it would take for someone to say, "Oh yeah, I'm going to go ahead and try Walmart's fifty dollar a year thing," because they they don't have the same capability that Amazon has in this regard. I mean, it's not just like, "Oh well, we'll just take orders online and ship them now." I mean. Amazon is just looking to be the most customer-centric company on the face of the earth, and and that means that you're going to bow to your customer and make sure you can do everything you can to keep them loyal to you, and they've done a really good job at that. Um, so I, I just don't see this as being something that I would be very surprised if this is something that um, put a ding in Amazon's uh, numbers at all. I mean, I'm not saying it won't succeed, but I, I would be very surprised to see this gain much traction. I I agree with you. In terms of what it would mean for Amazon, or I, I guess I, I would say I'd be really surprised if it hurt Amazon. I wouldn't necessarily bet against it succeeding, and I think we'll probably get an indication maybe as early as this fall because there was a company spokesman for Walmart who said, "Look, we're going to look for feedback from our customers, yeah. and, and depending on how that goes, that that will dictate how the program evolves to what extent we roll it out." I I feel pretty secure that if this thing is a hit for Walmart. Then, whenever their quarter in the fall is, whether it's October or whenever they report in the fall, yeah. Um, if this gets mentioned, if this gets played up in any sort of significant way, I think that's going to be them tipping their hand that oh, we this is working for us, and we're going to try and we're going to try and expand it as much as we can. Again, not not necessarily to cut into what Amazon is doing, but if it if it helps their uh, overall growth because uh, they have been slow to e-commerce, mm-hmm. and it's still only two and a half percent of their overall sales. I mean, right. It's such a small amount of what they make, and and yet to your point, I mean, it 
if it's something that just helps gin up any any additional incremental traffic or just caters to the consumer in any way, shape, or form. I mean, there are a lot of unknowns, though. I mean, I don't know if they're saying like it's going to be free shipping and it's going to be free two-day shipping, or it's just free shipping and you'll get it whenever you get it. And I mean, that's that's one of the attractions with Prime. There is a free two-day shipping. You just you have a you have sort of that definite time time frame there. And then what they've done beyond that is really sort of. You know, taking that to the next level with the same day shipping, and I mean, in, in some cases, that same day shipping is just phenomenal. It's a, it's a wonderful value, and, and so I mean, I think that would be sort of what I'd want to see: is how is Walmart going to really cater to the customer beyond just this offering? Like, is this? No, I agree with that. I think their timing is smart, though, because I think this gives them time to get feedback from customers, do what they can to work out whatever kinks exist, improve the process. Because, and I'm not saying this has been the case the last year or two. But for the first, I'm going to say, seven or so years of Amazon offering Prime, the lead-up to the holidays, um, the lead-up to Christmas, that was a big driver for them. That, oh, yeah. So, if Walmart gets this thing working well enough that they can make a big promotional push like, hey, do a lot of your shopping online, we'll take care of you, we'll get it to you, then that could really drive their uh, their membership. No question. I mean, I, I remember very vividly, we I, <laughs> I signed just up for Prime during the holiday That's season. That's when I did yeah, it. I mean, it, was, it was like three or four years ago, and yeah. I just sort of did the math, and I was like, well, I'm historically a pretty bad <laughs> shopper, and I leave things to the last minute when it comes to Christmas shopping. So, yeah, I'm going to need all the help I can get. Absolutely. <laughs> um Maybe Amazon is not worried about Walmart's online program, but uh, I bet this bit of news in the Wall Street Journal today got their attention, which is that in the next few weeks, a little tech company by the name of Google is going to launch buy buttons so that when people search for products on mobile devices, Google is going to start displaying buttons where you can effectively shop on Google. They're in talks with retailers. The only retailer I saw that was named in the story was Macy's, but I'm sure they're talking to a bunch of retailers. I'm really curious to see what this thing looks like. Yeah, I mean, this is just another, you know, another one of those dare I say, little bets <laughs> that Google is making. And um, yeah, I think Google is, they're fighting a battle on multiple fronts here. I mean, it is, it is, you know, they got the cash to do that, though. They do, and that's I tell you, it's 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 really a testament, you know, to having that that financial wherewithal to be able to just go do whatever you really want to go do and try things like this. Um, but I mean, I, I definitely understand why they're looking at adding these buy buttons. I mean, again, we've we've spoken to the the opportunity there in e-commerce. It's interesting. This isn't something that would result in them getting a scrape of the sales for the retail um, products that are sold. It, w- it would essentially be just another form of advertising uh, with you know, the retailers that that uh, jump on and try this. And so, you know, it, it could be a good thing for retailers in the, in that regard. That, that you know people are using Google to search and find things, and then you know it's making it's reducing the friction in, in order to buy. But by the same token, it it could be detrimental to the retailers because it keeps people in the Google universe and it doesn't take them to the to the actual retailers' website. So I, I'll be interested to see how that kind of plays out. But I mean, I, I think that you know Google is at a point now. It's it's obviously a very big company. I mean, the growth is actually starting to concern me a little bit, given today's shift towards mobile. There are far more searches are being done, you know, in app versus you know through actually Google, and and you know again with the 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 money that they're making from these ads is is you know it's 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 less because 
uh, you just use smaller screen, less real estate. They're just you have to you have to make a more compelling and succinct ad. So you know, Google has has really been working on trying to figure out how to diversify that revenue stream for a long time. You go back to two thousand and eight and two thousand nine, they generated ninety seven percent of their sales of their revenues from advertising. In two thousand and fourteen, that was down to eighty nine percent. So they're doing a good job at least in getting getting some diversity there. But you know, we talk about a, a war on multiple fronts here. You look at Apple's last quarter, for example, and according to App Annie, the App Store, the Apple App Store, generated seventy percent more global revenue in the March quarter than Google Play did, and that was up from sixty percent um, in, in the in the quarter previously. And so you can see where even with digital content, you know, Google is still fighting to catch up with Apple in that regard as well. Uh, and, and and again, you have Amazon doing the same stuff with digital content. Not to mention your streaming services like Netflix and your music streaming. So it's, there's so many options out there, and and so I mean, this is something that that is. I think it's wise for Google to try. Um, again, it's just a test. We'll see how it works out. I don't I don't know consumers' behavior at this point. Like when you go shopping, when you're looking for something, do you would would you just go into Amazon and search for it in Amazon, or would you search it in Google and then go from there? I think it depends on what I'm looking for. If I'm looking for something that I know, oh, this is the the store that I want to buy it. You know, right. an LL Bean product or something like that, where it's like, okay, I'll go, I'll go to their website, and then maybe what I'll do is go to Amazon and see if if they're offering the same thing at a better price, right. or, you know, factor in shipping. So more often than not, I will use Amazon as whether I start there or not. I will use it as a point of comparison, particularly as as shipping gets involved. But the, you know, the last thing I, I bought online um, it was uh, something where I went to Amazon, didn't really f- find what I was looking for in terms of choices, and uh, ended up going to Home Depot, and that there that worked go. out better. Uh, what about you? Uh, it- I find myself more and more searching within the Amazon app. Now, it's it certainly very much depends on what I'm looking for. Like if I know I want, you know, a new pair of Under Armour flops or something like that, I'm going to go straight to Under Armour, right? But I'm not even going to Google Under Armour. I'm just going to go, you know, into Under Armour, you know, and, and execute that by that way. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess I, I just I find myself using Google far less today than I I would have. Five years ago, and I mean, I think a lot of that has to do with the move towards mobile and sort of the app ecosystem and the capabilities that all of these companies and their apps have. And so, I mean, yeah, I just, I just see, I see some headwinds there for Google in that regard. Uh, well, it's also easier for me if I'm because the, the what I was just describing that's something I'm doing on a desktop computer, right? Whereas to your point, and I, I think this is the point you're making, if people are not on a desktop because it's you know it's just not that hard to click open a new browser and I'm searching on Amazon in one and I'm searching Google in the other and I'm you know it's just not that hard. Whereas with an app ecosystem, I think you were making the point that it's people are probably more likely just to stay within the app. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's I mean TripAdvisor is another good example of a of an app there where you can go in and find everything you want. Twitter even and Facebook as well. I mean they're all. They're all harnessing their own search functions so that you can stay within that app and try to find what you need. So, I mean, I find myself searching on Twitter a lot because if you're looking for something real time in nature, I mean, Twitter is a a far better search function than going to something like Google. I mean, Google, you're going to get a whole array of things. Twitter, you're just going to find the very, the very key, most recent 
you know, items that you're looking for. So I just I see more and more of these apps are developing their own very robust search functions, and I and I think that's something that's that's kind of you know mitigating uh, Google a little bit. And I'll tell you another thing. I was reading this morning. Uh, it's just interesting that there are several mobile carriers in Europe that have plans to disable advertising on mobile devices. And ultimately, what this means is so what they're saying is they want to make it so that your your mobile device won't be able to just suck in all of these advertisements and pop them up in front of you, you know, on on your on your mobile device. What that would mean ultimately, it would give them, you know, a bit of leverage over Google and saying that okay, you want our you want our customers to see your ads popping up on their, on your on their phones. Okay, give us a piece of that pie. We right. want a little bit of that money. Um, and and it, that is not happening yet. It's something that could happen. Uh, if it if it does, it's interesting. It, it wouldn't affect feeds like Twitter or Facebook, but it would affect something like Google that's popping up advertisements in all sorts of different browsers or whatever you're using on your phone. Uh, so if that's something that happens, I mean that could be another you know headwind that that Google has to deal with. And so just a you know it's it's nice to be the king of the hill, but when you are, that means that a lot of people are gunning for you. And I think a lot of people are gunning for Google now because they realize there's a lot of money out there. To be made, and, and they uh, they want a little bit of it. Well, you just reminded me of uh, one app experience that that sort of plays to um, how I feel as a shareholder of the Walt Disney Company, and how I feel as someone who's just trying to get information off of the ESPN app. <laughs> and as the guy just trying to get information, I'm just holy cow! They ser- ESPN serves up so many ads in their yeah. app. So many ads, yeah. but as a shareholder, I th- all I can think is, sure hope you guys are bringing in some money for this. And that's a good <laughs> example of something where you would go into that, ad, and if, if you know if the the powers that be in Europe let this go through on their mobile carriers, that's a good example of something where those those ads would not be showing up. Then I think you could opt in to letting those ads show up, but you could opt out to, to them not showing up, and, and that would be that would be a big deal. Thanks for being here. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Ann Henry. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. Tomorrow.